What's up, everybody? Jeff Kasouf here on another episode of Kicking Back, another special episode here during the 2020-2021 Tokyo Olympics Women's Soccer Tournament, and the group stage is wrapped up. We're here to look back a little bit at the day that was, but really to look forward as well as the quarterfinals are now set. I don't think anything too surprising from what we expected coming into Tuesday's matches in terms of who's going through and how exactly it looks, but I'm not sure that it's exactly the way that maybe some people maybe had predicted uh, coming into the tournament itself. So I'm going to break down the the matches that were, look ahead to the quarterfinals, and um, obviously a, a focus on the U.S. in particular here, who played to a scoreless draw with Australia, uh, a really... A nuanced uh, take, I guess, on what happened there. I know it produced plenty of opinions very early in the morning with the 4 a.m. Eastern kickoff, but um, I think you have to look at it and grade it potentially in uh, potentially in retrospect. So we'll talk about that uh, first off. Quarterfinals are set, so the eight of the eight of 12 teams going through, the eight teams going through, uh, I'll go in order of matchup here which, again, Friday morning kicks off 4 a.m. Eastern. Hope you are uh, ready for that. Canada versus Brazil, very intriguing matchup there. We'll talk about that. Great Britain versus Australia in the second matchup. These are all offset by an hour, uh, 5 a.m. 6 a.m. is Sweden-Japan, which has a lot of intrigue as well. And then, I guess certainly from an American perspective, the 7 a.m. final kickoff there, biggest one. USA, USA Netherlands, which is a rematch of the 2019 World Cup. So uh, that's coming in the quarterfinal stage. Look, there's no easy path uh, to an Olympic gold medal or or a World Cup final for that point. But certainly in an Olympics, um, you get these kinds of quarterfinal matchups. That's what happened in 2016 with USA Sweden. Um, you know these other matchups as well. There are no easy ones. There are no gimmies. So um, interesting stuff ahead on Friday. But first, let's talk about how we got here, um, and particularly from a U.S. perspective. So Tuesday's results, final day of group play, we had U.S.-Australia 0-0. Other game in the group was Sweden defeating New Zealand 2-0, which uh, was expected, and really that meant, um, well, we'll talk about it. That that really had the effect on how U.S. and Australia were going to play. Uh, Canada drew Great Britain 1-1, another late equalizer conceded by Canada, and um, that that cost them a shot at the, the group, uh, top of the group there. Uh, Great Britain goes through as group winners. Chile with a 1-0 loss to Japan, Japan's first win of the tournament, uh, a needed one, wasn't necessarily needed the way played, things played out in terms of guaranteeing advancement. Uh, draw probably would have done even, but um, really some some trouble there and some questions there for Japan, and we'll see how those play out uh, on Friday in particular for the host. Netherlands with an 8-2 to two victory over China. Uh, emphatic stuff, 21 goals now for the Netherlands in three games thus far at this Olympics. And then Brazil with a 1-0 victory over Zambia. Uh, Brazil played most of that match with 10 players, and... Still only won 1-0, so an interesting one there. Heavy rotation in that lineup, and I really would have liked to see that game 11 v 11 for the full the full time. But um, we'll get to all those. Let's start with USA-Australia, though. As uh, as we uh, many of you listening are probably uh, wondering about, and look, 
nil-nil result. This was clearly a game, even though neither coach really said it afterward. I think both really, um, in the press conference afterward, both coaches were pretty happy with the way their team performed. So there's a little bit of reading between the lines there, but uh, nil-nil result guaranteed that the U.S. advanced in second place in the group on goal difference, guaranteed that Australia advanced as a third-place qualifier, and uh, potentially um, probably would have been fine the way the rest, well, would have been fine the way that the other groups played out anyway, but um, as a third-place finisher, even if one of those teams lost. But, you know, you look at this result, and I think there's a lot of hand-wringing about how the U.S. played, right? A nil-nil result, dropped-off pressure, no real high press as we're used to, um, which I thought, and I said in the previous pod, uh, recapping day two, I thought maybe the U.S. might come out and try to press this Australian back line because I think it is particularly a back four that is uh, error-prone and potentially a little bit suspect, and, and we've seen some of that in this tournament. We really saw it in the build-up to this tournament in, in the friendly matches that they were able to play uh, a lot of um, ugly defensive displays, to be frank, that uh, maybe those play out in the the knockout stage. But instead, the U.S. decided, uh, Vlakoninovsky decided to have his players uh, really play conservatively on the defensive front. Main goal was not to give up a goal, um, was was one of the things that he mentioned post-game. And they didn't do that. I mean, there was a point, I think, around the 70th minute, 71st minute, where Australia's back four is... Uh, just knocking the ball between themselves laterally, right, left, right, left, repeat. And the U.S., uh, even with a defensive forefront of sorts with with Rose Lavelle um, frequently in that game, popping up with that three-front forward line to be that line of confrontation, really happy to sit off closer to midfield and let them do that really had the the looks of, I think that was, you already knew at that point, 70 minutes into the game, that these two teams would be happy with the nil-nil draw and it was playing out that way. But that was the point at which um, when you start hearing, I think both coaches, I think Tony Gustafsson used this term, but Vlako Nanovsky certainly did, start talking about a professional performance. Um, I think Alex Morgan actually used that term as well, sorry. But um, when you hear that that term, I think that's where you you know you really start to see in that 70th minute okay, um, two teams here that are, are happy with the nil-nil draw. And, and I guess you, you wonder why there is probably the first question. Um, I already addressed that both teams would go through with it um, and, and probably neither team, well, neither team needed it the way that uh, Zambia and China lost uh, in that other group and, and two of the three third-place finishers going through. So, you know, in the end, um, I guess you could argue that in terms of advancement, the result didn't matter at all in any such way for either team. But, um, you know, so, so that's one of it. But then also you look at some of the roster rotation. Australia is a team that has not rotated nearly as much as some of these other teams, including the U.S. And, you know, I think you have to chalk that up to a little bit of a lack of depth there. And I think Tony Gustafsson probably knows that. So um, having a match where they did not get into a track meet with a team that they could have, Certainly, these are two teams that are very good in transition. Um, two years ago, before the World Cup in a friendly, we saw that 5-3 game in Colorado, um, which is you know a long time ago, but also indicative of what could happen in this kind of a matchup. So um, neither team needed to or wanted to get into a game like that with a Friday quarterfinal looming. These two-day turnarounds, essentially, on games 
I think both teams very happy to save some legs there. And, you know, now um, Australia gets Great Britain. I don't know if I'm the U.S., would I rather have Great Britain than the Netherlands? You know, maybe. I think you could argue that there's a, uh, stylistically, maybe there's a a matchup to be had there. But um, either way, you know, there are no gimme games here as you might get in potentially anyway, a round of 16 in a World Cup, let's say. Um, straight into a quarterfinals here and and eight very good teams um, each at different points in in their uh, process shall we say because some of them are certainly good teams that are not necessarily playing all that well which again back to this game I think some people would argue that the U.S. or the Americans are in that boat a really poor performance against Sweden in, in the opener we've discussed that I think they know that and admit that I would say a decent performance Maybe I'd steal the term professional performance for the U.S. against New Zealand in that second game. 6-1 victory. Could have been 10-1 if not for the offside flag. Um, Shouldn't have been one, to be frank. And I think, you know, maybe it's nitpicky, but talked about on the last pod that that one conceded against New Zealand really was indicative of some of the problems we also saw against, uh, sorry, one conceded against New Zealand was really indicative of the problems we also saw against Sweden. So, you know, I think that gives a little bit of pause and maybe cause for concern um and then you know you look at this australia performance this performance against australia um you know i think the argument you could make there for not playing for this draw this nil-nil result or not playing to uh get scored against which you know i think the argument there and we've seen it already is how it's against the very ethos DNA mentality of this U.S. team through so many generations Um, and you'd never hear a U.S. team and we didn't still hear a U.S. team say they were playing for a draw but certainly um, you do not need to be a rocket science or a significant embedded expert to know that uh, they're okay enough and fine enough with what happened now look I, I don't know how well received or not this approach was or was not in in the locker room. I mean, I think for all we know, there's plenty of faith in in uh, the game plans at large, um, and and I don't think one result against Sweden necessarily uh, debunks that entire trust. Uh, but certainly, it's a different approach than we've seen from a U.S. team. And when you compound the performance and approach against Australia with certainly the the struggles against Sweden, you kind of have an argument for is this team not in the best form how should they have tried to maybe get back into some sort of rhythm and form ahead of the quarterfinal stage and I think there's an argument there certainly but you know you also look at this team it's the oldest team in the tournament just like it was in 2019 Um, they've already significantly rotated the roster throughout each game even dropping some starters entirely from the 18 day 18 player game roster to do so Um, and we saw that chiefly with Abby Dahlkemper in this game against Australia, she has struggled, but Vlakonanovsky said post game it was part of the plan rotation. So um, we've seen that already from the U.S. And I think you look at that older roster, you look at the tough turnaround, you look at the weather conditions, and you look at the opponents. And and I would say fourth there, the fact that I think logically we knew, and and the U.S. knew, Vlakonanovsky knew. Whether they drew this game or won this game, they were still finishing second in the group. So do you exert yourself to achieve the 
confidence, so to speak, which I don't think confidence is, is lacking from this team by any means, but do you try to get into that rhythm and form, which um, I don't think is necessarily a problem, certainly from the inside. I think from the outside, it's easy to say it is. Um, do you exert yourself to get that only to have the same outcome and same opponent Friday, whereas in this scenario, um, you've conserved some energy, you've rotated the roster, you haven't exposed yourself, and you you wash your hands of this and you move on to the quarterfinal, which really matters, obviously. So I think that's the approach. I see the argument. I understand the argument for why, um, from a mentality perspective, from a rhythm perspective, that maybe this is not the, you know, this is not certainly not the U.S. team that we've come to know, uh, the U.S. approach that we've come to know. But again, I don't think we can really grade this until Friday, because if Friday comes, um, you have the Netherlands who have scored 21 goals in three games. Vivian Miedema has scored eight of those. They look like they're flying in some regards. I would say, actually, we'll talk about them after the break. You know, some defensive issues for sure there. But, you know, on paper, this is, wow, Netherlands comes Netherlands comes in flying. You know, rematch of the 2019 World Cup final. The U.S. has struggled through the group stage. That's the narrative. But we've seen this plenty of times. The U.S. has been in this boat where a team flies through a group stage where actually, if we're being honest, Zambia was pretty good. China was really poor in this tournament. Um, the Netherlands really had one very challenging game against Brazil, and it was a fun, exciting, high-scoring draw. And otherwise, you know, that that's kind of a padded uh, statistic line to have the 21 goals. So I'm not taking anything away from them. The U.S. has been in that scenario of padding statistics as well before with, with some funky group matchups. But it's all to say that uh, narratives are not going to win quarterfinals. So I, I think we have to grade Tuesday's performance. I mean, we don't even really need to, we could forget about Tuesday's performance, really. I think the U.S. goes out and loses Friday, and maybe you look back at the whole picture here and say, okay, there were problems throughout. You know, it never got clicking. Tuesday was part of that. But U.S. goes out and beats in the Netherlands on Friday and, you know, looks rested, looks good, presses, whatever it may be. You know, I think Tuesday is sort of a, a forgotten piece of the equation because then you're into a semifinal and at the ver- at a minimum you're playing two more games. It depends on which metal color you're playing for. So at that point, I think Tuesday becomes, right, okay, they rested players, they got to where they need to get, and they moved on. And I think um, I'm not trying to dismiss some very real issues that, that we've seen from the U.S. in this tournament because I think defensively there are question marks tracking runners, uh, clearing their lines. We saw a little bit of that as an issue again uh, against Australia um, and getting stretched out, just to name a few. You know, all of those are real issues. We've talked about them. I've talked about them on this pod previously. But um, I do think that, you know, let's see what Friday brings. And frankly, I think that we're going to very quickly forget about this game because it was two teams playing for a draw, Um, you know, does that seem cynical? Maybe. I do remember 2012 when Japan, who made the final, ended up losing to the U.S. in the gold medal match um, in 2012, specifically played to a draw with South Africa, which is not even, you know, respect to South Africa. That was not a U.S.-Australia type of matchup in terms of relatively similar quality. That was very specifically Japan trying to not defeat 
South Africa in order to get a more favorable travel schedule and draw in the knockout stage. And it worked. Uh, it wasn't quite as malicious and cynical, at least in uh, at least nobody admitted to that in this U.S. Australia. But, you know, there's a parallel there. And then I would say quickly, you know, 2015, if you remember that World Cup, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably do. The U.S. looked some, I don't want to say terrible, but they, they look nothing like themselves in the group stage, which is, I think, a fair way to put, to describe this group stage, how it went. And it took them some time. I'm not going to get into the argument of how it happened because that is, you know, a tiresome one in terms of whether it was lucky, whether it was planned. I, I obviously have said many times that this was planned um, in 2015 in terms of this, the changes that were made. Maybe the hand was forced a little bit by circumstances, but... Um, Point being, 2015, pretty poor group stage from the U.S., round of 16 even, you could bundle into there. And then it clicked, it turned around, and they flew. Uh, you know, By that point, by the final, they were flying 5-2 win over Japan. So is that going to happen? I don't know. But certainly there is precedent for uh, group stage struggles, 2008 as well, group stage struggles that resulted in uh, the U.S. ultimately prevailing. So... Uh, they talk a lot, the Americans and other teams as well, about there being two tournaments. This is now phase two, the knockout stage, where nothing from the group stage really matters. And um, we will see how phase two of the tournament shakes out for the U.S. Uh, I'm Jeff Kasuf. This is Kicking Back, and we'll be right back after this break with a recap of the other games from Tuesday and a look ahead to the quarterfinals. Welcome back to Kicking Back, and just want to say we're part of the Blue Wire Network and wanted to make sure that you know that if you love listening to us here on Kicking Back on the Equalizer podcast, which is our other pod, uh, hey, what's stopping you from grabbing a microphone and starting your own show? Uh, there's no better place to start and to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive a personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters. I'd like to think we're among them. We'd certainly be accessible as a part of the Blue Wire network. And access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks to help you with podcasting if you are so interested. On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month. The same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk, about your favorite teams and, of course, your favorite sport, then make sure your voice is heard with Hustle. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. You can apply by going to bwhustle.com slash join. That is b-w-h-u-s-t-l-e dot com slash join. And check out the description box in this episode to find out more. But that is Blue Wire Hustle. Maybe you can join us. Hope to uh, to hear you on the mic soon. So uh, I'm your host, Jeff Kasuf of Kicking Back. Again, 
breaking down some of the Olympics uh, action or breaking down action throughout these Olympics as we go through. And group play has wrapped up in the women's tournament, which we are focused on here. Talked about the U.S. versus Australia at length. The U.S. gets the Netherlands next in the quarterfinals. That's at 7 a.m. Eastern on Friday. If you're in the U.S., that's on NBCSN and Telemundo. And then Australia on Friday with the result, third-place finisher in Group G. We'll get Great Britain, who finished first in Group E, and they come in ahead of Canada. So let's start there with that game. Canada takes an early lead in that one uh, through Adriana Leon. Great run down the left flank from Ashley Lawrence to set it up. Not really sure how the cross got through so many uh, swinging legs, but Adriana Leon at the back post puts it up top corner, and Canada up stayed that way for most of the match late equalizer for great britain it's officially an own goal on Michelle prince uh, a shot from carolyn weir took uh, a wicked deflection that that fooled steph LeBay. Uh, really left her with no no real option she was already moving to her right had to go back to her left just a a huge deflection that i don't think anybody would blame her for um but canada conceded a late equalizer to japan as well in the opener so a couple results there that uh, they could not hang on to, would have sent them top of the group, and uh, they would have been playing Australia in this quarterfinal, which if I'm Canada, if I'm anybody really, I'd probably rather have Australia than Brazil. Uh, Canada is going to get Brazil in the 4 a.m. Eastern quarterfinal on Friday, and uh, Great Britain is getting Australia in the 5 a.m. Eastern quarterfinal. But um, look, Canada rested some players. We saw Christine Sinclair in the stands outside the 18 on this one, um, on this game day. So, you know, similarly, again, it's a trend getting rest throughout these these Olympics. I know it's, it's almost annoying to talk about. You want to see uh, a tournament that is fully contested. And, um, you know, we see this to a degree in the World Cup as well. Anyway, uh, you have some, uh, I think you have typically fewer cupcake games in the Olympics just by way of there only being 12 teams, but um, we see it in the World Cup as well. So a little bit of rest for some Canadian players, um, similarly so a little bit on the uh, the Great Britain side. And Team GB goes through as group winners. Uh, I'm not sure there was a ton of confidence in this Team GB side coming into this tournament. I would certainly be in that boat, but um, relatively strong enough performances, mostly carried by Ellen White, at least certainly in those first two games. And now they get Australia in the quarterfinal, which I think, you know, looking at the various matchups, I think if you're if you're Team GB, you have to be happy with, certainly more so than, than getting Brazil in the quarterfinal. And, um, you know, we'll see. I, I think, you know, there have been moments, certainly um, some strong midfield play. You know, we talk about Kim Little quite often. I think Ellen White, as I said, is, has been very good up top, as she has been and, and usually is for England. But... Um, you know, we'll see. I think I'm not sure that Australia is going to be um, the best litmus test for if this Team GB side really is a gold medal contender. Um, we will see. We will see how that shakes out uh, come come the semifinals if they are to get there. But um, you know, again, certainly a, a favorable quarterfinal for for Great Britain. And <clears throat> excuse me. On the other side of that, just talked about Brazil being the uh, the opponent for Canada in that quarterfinal. Uh, 
Brazil with a 1-0 win over Zambia. This this game was, you know, look, I'm going to miss Zambia at this tournament. I hope we see them at the 2023 World Cup. I hope they get the support that they need from their federation. This is always a problem with so many teams across the world. We see it where uh, a team potentially, you know, I talked about South Africa briefly in reference to 2012. You know, we see teams, uh, whether they are in South America, even the Caribbean and CONCACAFs to a degree, uh, in Africa, um, to a degree in Asia, you know, and, and even in Europe, frankly. I mean, we see these teams that pop up for a tournament or maybe contend for a tournament. And then the real question is, in terms of sustainability, among many, obviously, but is there support there truly from the Federation? And, um, you know, that that's something we're going to have to see with Zambia. But Barbara Banda, back-to-back hat-tricks in those first two games, six goals, certainly left her mark, historical mark, and left an impression on this tournament. And Zambia, you know, look, Pia Sonhaga rotated about half her lineup for Brazil in this one. So, yes, that is, again, a factor. But Zambia loses this game 1-0, played almost 70 minutes, 75 minutes with 10 players after a, a red card issued on a foul that was questionably potentially inside the box. And I think, honestly, I would have loved to see this game play out 11 v 11 because, um, again, in some of these other games that we talked about and that I will talk about after this, you know, the the third place drama really wasn't there because China and Zambia, you know, just were not in a position to to get beyond one point, which, you know, as I said, the last time out, that draw between the two really did neither any favors, unfortunately, for them. But Zambia, I would have loved to see this 11 v 11 because the the 1-0 result, you feel like with what Barbara Banda has done in this tournament, with how it shook out um, on the day against Brazil, maybe this thing gets a little funky and a little wild uh, if it's 11 v 11. But um, unfortunately, uh, Lushomo Muemba is sent off in 13 minutes into the match. It's a product of video review, the red card, and it almost, there was not a lot of clarity around this until we actually saw where the ball was spotted and and the play started to resume. It almost looked like the referee had errantly done a uh, double jeopardy, which has been eliminated from the rule book and and given a red card and a penalty. And I, I think that the way this played out, a penalty would have actually been a better result there for Zambia, because what happens is we've got the sending off. They're down to 10 players. The starting goalkeeper for Zambia, Hazel Nali, is injured on the play. So she leaves the game, is replaced. And after all of this drama, which ended up with 14 minutes of stoppage time at the end of the first half, the first kick of the ball is Andres Alves free kick, and it's into the back of the net. Um, Replacement goalkeeper hasn't even touched the ball yet. Uh, and and it's 1-0, and that's the only goal of the game. So, you know, if that's the case, if you say, well, if that if that's a penalty kick, they concede anyway, yes, and then they stay 11 v. 11, and who knows what happens. So uh, that's obviously not the referee's decision to... Uh, it, it means nothing to the referee as to whether we want to see an entertaining game or not, but the foul on Ludmilla, I thought, was actually, to me, looked like it was inside the box. Video review, there was a long review of it, and it determined otherwise, but the red card plus free kick, I think, was actually worse on Zambia than the penalty penalty kick plus what would have been only a yellow card, stay 11 v 11, and who knows, maybe there's some drama. Brazil only got one, 
you know, was rotating some players. Barba Banda on a counterattack. Maybe it's a draw, and then they're fighting for a winner late. Who knows? But unfortunately, didn't get to see that. Hope to see more of Zambia in the future. Brazil, um, you know, again, I said many, I've said many times, I think a gold medal contender, they've not done anything to really um, disprove that at this point. Match against Canada, I think, has a danger of being a little bit of a trap game to that narrative or that mission because Canada, back-to-back bronze medals in the past two Olympics, always a scrappy team, and we will see. Pure talent, pure form, everything else, I like Brazil in this. But, you know, a knockout stage game in an Olympics in particular, uh, Canada is, is not going to be any pushover. Uh, another important game of the day, again, didn't necessarily end up mattering in terms of Japan. I was calling this a must win for Japan in various mediums. And, you know, statistically, that was not necessarily the case. But uh, as far as form, you know, we talked about confidence and form earlier. Japan has had a very mediocre start to this Olympics on home soil. And this, you know, this 1-0 win over Chile was not necessarily any break from that form. Um, you know, it took a late goal here in the 77th minute from Mina Tanaka to, to put Japan on the board, and that was ultimately how it ended. But for a while there, you know, Zambia is holding at 1-0. Um, Japan is sitting there at 0-0 against Chile, and you kind of wonder, hmm, again, back to my point about 11-11 v for Zambia. But, you know, Japan gets gets the victory. Ultimately, a draw would have done, even a loss would have done, to be honest, with the way that goal difference worked out. But, you know, that's all fine and dandy for statistics. Um, but, you know, maybe similarly to the U.S. point that, that some are making, if you're Japan, do you want to be limping into the quarterfinals on home soil like this? I mean, certainly the answer has to be no. At least they came away with three points against Chile, as you would expect them to do. But, you know, now... Japan quarterfinal against Sweden. Sweden's looked like the best team, certainly the most consistent team in this tournament thus far. And I think at this point, heading into quarterfinal, you might say the favorites uh, right now. So Sweden versus Japan in that other quarterfinal that we haven't spoken about yet. You know, I like Sweden. I said that pre-tournament, certainly said that after that 3-0 win over the U.S. And they've really taken care of business otherwise against Australia and New Zealand and looked pretty comfortable doing so. So Japan put a lot of stock in this this Olympics. They've built toward it. They were talking about the 2020 Olympics before the 2019 World Cup even, not that they were ignoring the 2019 World Cup, but just for a matter of perspective of what this home Olympics meant and means. And thus far, not a great performance in any capacity from Japan, nothing convincing. And now they have Sweden, um, who I think is you know, potentially tactically superior, certainly as the athleticism and uh, the wherewithal and the technical ability uh, to give them problems. So we'll see how that plays out. So again, rounding up your quarterfinals as you get ready for Friday, and we will be back with you here on Friday to recap everything. As always, you can send in your questions, shoot them to us on Twitter. Maybe I'm at Jeff Kasouf, K-A-S-S-O-U-F, at Equalizer Soccer. But if you're in the U.S., we'll go off U.S. East Coast time um, as this is uh, upon recording here, what is it, hour, uh, I don't know, hour nine for me already, but uh, another early morning if you're on the East Coast, maybe a little bit better if you're just looking to watch the U.S. game. Sorry for the West Coasters on that one, I guess, but that's what the U.S. East Coast has been doing 
4 a.m. Eastern, Canada versus Brazil, 5 a.m. Eastern, Great Britain, Australia, 6 a.m. Eastern, Sweden, Japan, and 7 a.m. Eastern. It's Netherlands versus United States 2019 World Cup rematch, and it's going to be a good one. We'll see how it, t- it shakes out. So until next time, I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf. I'm kicking back. I will be back with a quarterfinal roundup. Hope you've enjoyed listening, and we will catch you again very soon.